Hey, I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. This week we have an Anna Byler double feature. Uh, first we're looking at The Love Witch. 2016's A Love Witch. A uh, modern day witch uses spells and magic to get men to fall in love with her with deadly consequences. Uh, written and directed by Anna Biller. The Love Witch premiered at the International Film Festival in Rotting, Rotterdam, Netherlands, before seeing a limited theatrical release in November of 2016. I actually saw this during that limited theatrical run. Me and uh, dear friend Ashley Mixon saw it after work one night at the Gene Siskel Film Center in beautiful downtown Chicago. That was before I was married and could do cool and could do cool things after work, like go see <laughs> movies with friends. Uh, we both loved it, and if you think that that's the only self-centered anecdote I have about this film, you'd be wrong. So several years later, this is my second uh, intro to the Love Witch anecdote. Several years later, after it was released, I went to a wedding with uh, some old coworkers. And I ran into a buddy of mine that I had worked with. And uh, I'm sure you've had friends like this in the past, work friends, where like, you know, if you're lucky enough, you have somebody at work that you sit around and talk movies about during cigarette breaks, right? 100%. And yes, and this was this was my friend when I worked at the hotel over by the House of Blues. Um, we would every Monday afternoon. It was the only time our shifts overlapped. Uh, I'd get into work. He'd come down to the engineering shop. We'd go out in the alley and smoke cigarettes and talk about everything we saw that weekend. Um, he was the guy that got me into Shaw Brothers films. Uh, we were just like work wives, I guess. We were really close. And ended up going our separate ways eventually. He went to one place and I went to another. And come across each other about a decade later at this wedding. And I woke up to him and we're talking about our personal lives. We had both gotten married. We had both had started families and stuff. And uh, there's kind of a lull in the conversation. And, you know, this would normally be the point where we would start talking about movies. And... I was like, well, what do I say to him? Because it's been so long, but we have this like natural flow. And the first thing I said to him was, did you see The Love Witch? <laughs> and he was like, I wondered what movie you were going to bring up first. And I never would have picked The Fucking Love Witch. But yes, I saw it. And yes, I loved it. And we went on from there. Um, because this was one of those movies. I don't know why I saw it in the theater. I must have seen something online. But just based on the visual style alone, I knew that it was something that I had to see immediately. Um, I knew it was something because part of the, the catch 22 about living in Chicago <clears throat> is that all of these movies that are, you know, these non super mainstream ones, like though the, whatever it says limited release. Well, that means here, that means it played here somewhere. Right. And the question is like, do you go see all of them? And I don't, you know, like we have the music box, we have the Gene Siskel uh, film place. I know there's there's lots of venues here that show limited release films, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and I still like to see the mainstream shit too. But this was something that I went out of my way to go see, and took advantage of uh, living in a big city to check it out, and um, was not disappointed. And when uh, I know we talked about doing this show, because uh, actually another Ashley uh, from the Wednesday show, Ashley Hilt, had mentioned it on Twitter. And um, I was like, well, fuck, we should do a, a show about it. She's obviously not here right now, but um, 
yeah, I, I I love this film. I love that it it motivated me to go back and, and watch Viva, which I had not seen previously. And can't wait to hear what you think about it, Danny. So I absolutely love this movie. <laughs> uh, I saw it back in 2021 when it came to Shudder. And oh, I, okay. Yep. And I watched it really early in the morning because I had a couple month old uh, daughter at the time. So like <clears throat> those were the mornings. There was like late January, early February where I started watching while I was like, you know, uh, feeding my daughter and everything. Uh, I just start watching movies. Like instead of putting on, I used to put on like whatever was on the history channel. So during her first like two months, it was a lot of world war two documentaries and ancient aliens around like from 4am <laughs> to like 8am. Mm-hmm. Well, then I started switching it up and I was like, let me start watching movies that I haven't seen in a while or have never just seen at all. And I, uh, I did it, and I actually made a different Instagram account for it. It was called uh, Blue Room Insight Reviews, <laughs> which, you know, it's kind of funny, but it, it just goes along with the podcast that I already had going on. The first movie that I, I did for it was actually called Dragged Across Concrete with Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, oh, it's so funny. Me and, uh, me and my buddy were just talking about that, um, that director, because he's a very, very polarizing director but i loved uh cell block 99 or something that yeah, was another... uh, the brawl in cell block 99 yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god yeah with him and vince vaughn also and vince vaughn right was in this. Yeah. uh yeah no i actually really liked it i think i gave it like an okay rating but like me personally i liked it but you know i understand that when you're you know whatever the critic behind it but then i but then i kept going i I only did six movies that's only how long this thing lasted and then life just got too busy and hectic so Uh but the love witch was my fifth movie (laughs) that i did and uh i wanted to watch it really because it was shot in 35 millimeter um it was a movie that whenever i first saw it uh come across shutter because i was getting like the updates of like what's out this month or what's coming out this month and i saw love witch and i was like oh well let me i heard about that a couple years ago and obviously i haven't been able to see it anywhere else so i was like i'll definitely check that out and the i think it came out on like i don't even know but the next more that morning i watched it and i was like from the beginning to the end i was so hooked on this and for a two-hour movie Actually, both the movies that we're doing today are almost identical in length, uh, literally by a minute or seconds off, honestly. Right. Um, I was engulfed in this the whole two hours, which is great to say. Um, this is also the latter of the first or the of Viva and the Love Witch. So this came out, you know, a couple years ago for us. Uh, but I mean, this was something where like that Technicolor shit, dude, I I'm a victim to, um, actually this movie did so well that I saw that it was number 40 on Rotten Tomatoes list of all time horror films, which I'm not here to argue it. I'm not even going to talk about like, I I don't know. However, I'll kind of call bullshit on that. I mean, like I love this movie, but I wouldn't. It is. I no, think there's, it, it deserves a better place somewhere else. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's kind of a weird. Ranking. I don't think all time horror should have been the, the, the right. listing for it. But like, yeah, this movie was really great. 
And if you would, it, maybe if you say the best indie films from of the 2010s, sure, I could see that being on the list or something like that. But like horror number 40, that that's crazy to me. But again, it was a great film. It it reminded me of uh, a lot of Alfred Hitchcock, uh, even like Wicker Man and like Midsummer kind of vibes mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I really liked it. Like I said, the 35 millimeter was the one that really got me. And uh, just the whole 1960s thriller horror kind of setting really just it really made for a uh, a really good potion, if you will. (laughs) So I also while watching this film, I I noticed a couple things uh, that was uh, from uh, FIFA or sorry. Wow. (laughs) Viva. I'm already getting high, man. I'm sorry. Uh, but the, you know, the chalices that were used in Viva uh, during, well, I guess I can't say that. You know, the chalices that were used in Love Witch uh, when she was talking for, to the guy that was from Viva, Mark. I can't remember his name in Love Witch for some reason, but it was Mark and Viva. Uh, he, he was the husband to the blonde girl. So there was a point where. Uh, he has these chalices, and he's talking about like the school that he had going on, and they're the same red and blue chalices from Viva. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so like it was just cool seeing that, like being almost ten years later, and I don't know, I just thought that was a really neat like piece. I mean, there was a lot of uh, callbacks to Viva in this, but I really enjoyed the <laughs> just I don't know the vibe of this was really cool. Uh, it was it was really something that I could see becoming an uh, influential down the road. I think this definitely has cult status now. I think it could be something that people try to mimic. I actually do believe, after seeing the Love Witch, um, I do believe we need more Anna in this. I think that she needs to. I I, I really do think that she needs to direct more movies. Uh, not necessarily. I know you talked about some short films, uh, which I haven't seen those, but I would like to see something like The Love Witch, but like, you know, more today style. I know that this was only a couple years ago, but like, she, I she has this little trend that she does with the 35 millimeter and the very uh, old look, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a I'm a physical media guy, and I'm a sucker for anything filmed literally with film. You know, anything that is actually real with a master cut, you know, so I really I I really dug it. I respected the hell out of this movie. Yeah, I think there's uh, aesthetics aside. I think that um, there's there's another angle to it. uh, And that is is kind of the the um, the feminist approach that I, I, I don't even think I'm qualified to really comment on too much. Um, because I'm sure that there's a depth and complexity to it that I'll just don't understand. But, um, yeah, I would say it was more of a, a, a sociological meditation than a, than a, a fucking scary movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I horror, I understand there's, there's horror elements. It's about witches. There's murder, right? I get all that, but I mean, really it's more about, um, the dynamics between males and females and the power struggle and, and, and kind of control and 
there's weird dom sub dynamics going on between her and her partners, right? Where like she kind of comes in as being passive and being the more submissive partner, but then she uses that to to bolster a position of authority and dominance over them. And then the men inevitably cave in, but they're not, but they're doing so because of magic. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a, uh, uh, kind of like, uh, legitimate transfer of power. There's still like coercion and kind of like, you know, is the mad, is her using magic kind of underhanded and, um, unethical, I guess is a weird word to use, but I'll use it, you know, but at the same time, aren't, isn't male dominance and the, and the patriarchy kind of unfair towards women as well? Like, is she leveling the playing field or is she taking it too far? I don't, I mean, there's, there's a lot of shit going on here that I think is more interesting for me, at least to watch and kind of reflect on than just like the horror stuff. Um, is it still available on shutter? Uh, I actually don't know. I watched it on Tubi. Oh. <laughs> it's not, God Tubi, bless Tubi. Tubi. Yeah. Tubi came in the rescue. Um, I, I actually was about to go to the app, too, to look, but I was already on Tubi, and I literally said to myself, what the hell? Was Viva <laughs> on Tubi like... as well? Uh, no, I had a, I rented Viva. Okay. Um, now, it is, so the Love Witch is on Pluto TV, Peacock, Voodoo, Redbox, Fobo TV, all for free, and then obviously Tubi, um, which is great. Because I actually rented uh, Fiva off of uh, Voodoo, which okay. was like three bucks, which was not, I mean, it was worth the three dollars for sure. <laughs> I mean, that movie was good too, but like, um, I was surprised that I it wasn't on any streaming service. And actually, now seeing that The Love Witch is on, uh, what was it, uh, Peacock for free, usually if you got one person's thing on like Peacock or Paramount Plus or something like that. You usually have their other stuff. So it could I be different little... distro uh, distribution deals or yeah, something. Because this probably. was this film was originally uh, distributed by Oscilloscope Laboratories, which is um... which I love that whole fucking yeah. Thing. I oh, thought that God, was really neat it was, too. Dude, it brought me back to like watching shitty movies on like tnt in the 90s like i i don't know it was just that whole like this movie was literally just one nostalgic ride and it could have been for any movie goer right like you know with you and i we grew up with our parents or grandparents watching hitchcock and you you get literally the fucking opening scene is a uh tribute to the birds uh and wait do you know who oscilloscope laboratories is no, I just okay. know that I. The only thing I know is about with this movie. No, so th- it was a uh, an independent film company started by Adam Yauch from Beastie Boys. No, and, I was gonna say, that. like, yeah. Okay, and then the guy that went time. to go found A twenty four, and he when he left he left the oscilloscope and then started A twenty four and then came back after Yauch died. But um, yeah, so I thought that was really cool because I don't know how many movies they put out. Like I know that they, they technically did, um, they technically did like all of, uh, Beastie Boys music videos. That's kind of where you're probably used to seeing the logo from. Dude, probably. No, I yeah. you already blew my mind. Like, like body moving, moving like, but which is a lot yeah. like this where it, 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 it cribs off of uh danger diabolic. Um, but yeah, so they, they did this. Yeah. I don't know if they 
released a whole lot of stuff. I'm kind of going uh, through it right now. I don't see anything. Yeah, I'm looking at stuff. To Exit see through the gift stuff. shop, the Banksy documentary, um, and then uh, they do a, a William Burroughs documentary, which one of my friends used to work on, worked on for a while. Uh, I don't know what else. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that that's where that's where the Love Witch saw its release was through a oscilloscope. So there's a chance that maybe they had some kind of deal with Paramount. That oh yes, in 2009 the company signed a deal with Warner Brothers Distribution. So that's why that's why you saw this kind of all over the place, right? And not not so much uh, Viva. So I saw these. Um, like I said, I saw the Love Witch in the theater. And we can kind of bounce back and forth between two. Um, Viva, I, I I had not seen, and I I didn't know hear about it when it came out in two thousand seven, and I don't know if I heard any kind of talk about it when the Love Witch came out either, because I would have dug it up, but um, I was able to uh, in preparation for this episode, I was able to find a Blu Ray set on Amazon that had both films. And oh, it, it looks like they were, it was two separate, um, two separate DVD releases or Blu-ray releases that they combined into one set. And then they just put both discs in a box and then here, this is what you get. Because the Viva one has all of Anna Biller's uh, previous short films too. And, um, which was interesting. I, I did watch, I'm pretty sure I, I watched all of them. Um. She has an old West musical uh, about oh, I forget what it's called, like something like Succubus or something. Or um, I'll pull up IMDb, <laughs> but she's in uh, a visit from the Incubus, and then uh, three examples of myself as Queen, uh, Fairy Ballet, and the Hypnotist. The Hypnotist is pretty funny, and a visit from the Incubus. She uh, she acts as and she acts and performs as that as well. She's an actress, and then she has like a musical number, which I noticed was like that was the other thing too. When I saw Love Witch for the first time, I didn't realize how many elements because I'd never seen her previous work. She does have a lot of recurring things that she does in her movies. She's usually listed as the uh, costume designer and uh, makeup person, and uh, she usually incorporates some kind of musical scene, right? Like where where a character sings or something or performs or dances, and um, you know she also has this like retro throwback vibe to him. And uh, her next movie that she has coming out or that IMDb lists as being in production is The Face of Horror, and that is a uh, Japanese ghost story. Is oh, kind of what it seems sold. like. Yeah, which which will be interesting, but once again, it's a period piece. Once again, it's you know it, it's going to do the whole uh, Technicolor. I don't know if she's going to necessarily shoot on thirty five millimeter, but um, it's going to at least have the same aesthetic look to it, be it in a different period. And um, something else I want to talk about that she's got coming that they actually just released this month is she released a novel called Bluebeard's Castle. And this, uh, the story was originally conceived as a follow-up to The Love Witch. She wrote the screenplay, and of course, The Love Witch was a huge success, and she had a bunch of meetings around town, but no one really kind of wanted to do it. So she ended up uh, kind of uh, massaging it into a novel, and uh, it's being described as a subversive take on modern romance and gothic erotica. And I, I bought the book. 
probably at the same time that I bought the Blu-ray for this and have not read it yet. I got to wait till the semester's over. But I swear to God that the fucking second that this semester is over, the very first thing I'm going to do is pick up that book and blow through it in two, three weeks because uh, I am very excited to read read it. Because, like I said, she's got such a pronounced uh, visual style. You know, her, her films really do uh, personify the auteur theory where, you know, she makes movies that only she could really make. And I love it. But like you said, like you kind of want to see her do something different. You know what I mean? Um, just to see what that looks like, because it's so interesting and fucking sexy. And you're just like, I want more. Like, I want you to make more stuff. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I do agree. I think. I, wanna... I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I think both films really are like sexy. Like they both look good. They're oh, filmed yeah. great. They are. Uh, they're energetic. Even even with uh, FIFA viva even with that it's it was one of those things where like um even like the dialogue with it right like it was kind of funny and it was like very uh parody and satire to like the time right and but it was now that you said that she wrote a book i almost want to like i want to be in that boat and read the book too right because like literally how viva is is a novel like it is written, the dialogue is is written from an author. Like, and I understand screenwriters and all that stuff. Like, I'm not trying to say that they're different, but but usually, and not it's kind of like The Exorcist. You watch The Exorcist, and you can tell it was written by somebody that wrote books, not that wrote movies. <laughs> you know, especially like Exorcist Three, which I actually like. Sometimes the dialogue really gets it, and for uh, the, for her, I think she really does it, and I think she does it really well. And I do kind of want to, uh, I want to see her expand. I want to see her spread her wings on it. And anything that she does other than this, and this is already experimental, will be experimental to her. And I am a full-fledged like supporter of artists when they're experimenting with, you know, new things. Like, I love that stuff. I love it in music. I love it in movies. Um, usually, I guess that you know the main the big crowds don't really like it when experimental shit comes out but like i i like it because it's like they're swinging for the fences you know they're trying to hit bombs or they're just trying to be creative and find new sound or new ideas and uh i think that's fucking awesome i don't you know sometimes yeah they might flop but hey you have the balls to fucking do it which may you know the balls might be more of a substitute for money maybe i don't know but like I do would I I really would love to see something different, but more modern or like filmed on I don't know the fucking 4K cameras that Sony has. I don't know, just something I want to see more. Fuck, give her a Marvel movie. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it would have to be uh, I don't know, it would have to be something uh, appropriate or something in her in her wheelhouse that she would want to do. But I mean, I would I would definitely. Want to see that, and you have to imagine that the, those offers came through too. You know what I mean? And she probably turned them down for whatever reason because maybe she wanted to stick she's with not her a own sellout, stuff. Pat. Well, not only <laughs> I'm just not, I don't think it, maybe maybe that is maybe I, I don't know what her thought process is. Maybe it is. I I I don't want to be a sellout. I don't want to do make other people's movies for money. I don't want to let my because that's what you're kind of doing when you're a hot. You know, when you have an indie hit of your own. And then you take a studio gig. You're lending your name to their project. You're using your name 
to validate their project. You know what I mean? And I could see her saying, no, my name is more valuable to that. And I don't, I don't want to cheapen my name and my brand by associating it with yours because so far I have a better track record than you Paramount plus, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you've, you've, cra- you've turned out some fucking shit and I don't want to be associated with that. I have two movies that I'm very proud of and I want to keep that track record where it's at, you know, so that, but I, I, she's never been in my kitchen. I've never talked to this woman before. I don't know. Um, but I do want to spend a couple of minutes talking about Viva because it's probably the lesser, it's definitely the lesser known of the two movies. So our audience might not be entirely familiar with it. Uh, Viva came out in 2007. It bounced around for uh, a couple of years until finding a home video release in 2009. Viva tells the tale of two suburban couples that experiment with sex, drugs, and bohemia in early 1970s Los Angeles. Uh, Anna Biller actually is the female lead in this one, playing Barbie. Um, she is, uh, you, you'll notice some of the actors uh, from the Love Witch show up in this. Um, and she, she <laughs> God, I'm on the IMDb page right now and I'm, they're showing the trailer. Uh, she's in it. <laughs> she's in, uh, she's naked in it a lot. Um, she unfortunately has gets assaulted like three, four, five times and um, survives. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting because the way she handles it, like, well, it's kind of, I wonder if it's, you know, this is something that uh, I really, you know, this is, I, I, I understand Asher's schedule prevented her from being on this episode, but it would have been nice to kind of have a female perspective on this because you know, especially in the case of Viva, I don't know if they're saying they're if they're lampooning the way that women were treated in the seventies, kind of uh, new Hollywood sex farces, or if they're saying like, no, women are assaulted and they are just expected to shrug it off. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of the the tone that the movie takes is that like. You know, she like I said, she's raped like three, four times in this movie. I that is the way that I took it. I yeah, took it and as, she just kind of rolls with it, and maybe that's yeah. kind of a joke because it's like, oh my god, like she's not even traumatized, and it's like, well, aren't women kind of assaulted <laughs> like in real life Daily. like this, and they're just expected to kind of shrug it off, or is it? I mean, think about how many times they like bring that up. Actually, like, oh, you know. Men are just because you're so attractive. Aren't you like used to men doing this to you? Like Mark did it. Uh, the the producer guy did it. There the chick the the manager the model agent did it. That one. Uh, oh my god, that was the most over the top, but in a great way. Like here's yeah. the thing about the here. So I I watched uh, I I watched this. Before I rewatched the Love Witch, so I saw Love Witch back in 2016 or whatever, and then when we decided we were going to do that, I bought the the two DVD set, two, two film set, and I watched Viva first because I hadn't seen that, and it was you know kind of juxtaposing the two films. This is very, uh, it's a lot more humorous than the Love Witch. The Love Witch, even though it's kind of a more zany plot with her being with through being witches and all this weird shit and the Renfair stuff, it's still very, it's still played very straight. 
And Viva is played straight too, but there's more kind of goofy shit in it. And it's also, there's a lot more winking at the audience, right? Like right. with the overdone laugh, laughter of the, the neighbor couple and that guy and all the, the whole right. scene with them out by the pool and shit. Um, well, you, actually, in my notes, I, I have. Uh, Do you ever watch that 70s show or like deep into it? Like, yeah. Or, okay. So, you know, every time that they would have a flashback and it was like Eric was like making fun of Kitty and Red. And that is literally the whole movie. Is the uh, it's like a mix? Literally, in my notes, I have feels like that seventy show made a Skinamax porn, uh, and it reminded me of my grandpa's old VHS porn stash that I found in middle school, um, which was you know that was a whole that's a whole another part of my life, <laughs> but <laughs> but it reminded me a lot of this and uh, fuck like I that. You're right, though, with the comedy and the they did overdo it with Mark. Uh, Rick was kind of that way too. I Rick was your uh, alpha male, if you will, and then sure. also did it kind of set it up where Rick was going to be your typical male, where he's like staying late at work and he's like sleeping around with women. But did and, and then it kind of flipped that on you that he apparently really is just blowing off steam and hanging out with like you know, his race car and like all these other things. And it kind of went to like, to me, I, I, it made me think of Californication where Rick didn't decide to really leave her until she fucked up where he never was fucking up. She just thought he was fucking up, you know, it ends with a, him dying in a car crash, right? No, no, it ends with him breaking his leg, and then they all got to, uh, or his leg is in a cast. I don't really know what happened. Because of a car accident, because he comes home and he thinks that she willingly, she was raped by the next door neighbor. Yeah. But oh. he thinks that they, she was having an affair with him. Affair right? with Mark, yeah. Okay. Well, she wasn't, she was sexually assaulted. Uh, there was no, she, she bit him or slapped him or something, and he, like, fucking woke up from whatever alcoholic rage that he was going through. I don't sure. know. But like, yeah, and then she was like, "Oh no, don't worry about it." Yeah, we won't tell anybody. But yeah, I I do think that is a like an homage to just, yeah, we, this is just the women's life, and we have to keep going. And it kind of it was sad that that because I did really think that last night, and I was just like, or the other night, and I was like, that kind of sucks, like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's my people, right? It's the men, right? It's like it's us. We're the assholes, and we just can't. I don't know. I mean, but look at the end too. Like, look at how Mark was, and even Rick. Like, uh, man, that guy was ripped, right? And he had perfect hair too. But uh, like to the point where it didn't even move. Also, I love the I, I love the fact that he looks like Ken, and her name is Barbie. <laughs> I yeah. did want to point that out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, it was just kind of like one of those um, scenarios where like it's just this is kind of like the girl struggle to get on top and she got on top and she was just like eh it's a little too much for me i'm gonna come back down and uh i don't know i thought it was well done i would have liked to hear from a female's perspective but honestly maybe the movie was the female perspective right i mean it it, it says it kind of in a lot of ways it speaks for itself um you know and and, and just reading the the log line off of um off imdb 
uh, well, no, it doesn't really say it so much here, but like I, I've heard other things that kind of describe it as like all of the worst aspects of the seventies uh, sexual revolution, sixties and seventies sexual revolution that was happening in Los Angeles. So kind of like, you know, the dark side of the hippie subculture where these these housewives are bored and they want to kind of explore their freedom and they go out into the real world and they're treated even more horribly and they're pimped out and they're, and they're abused and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was interesting that Anna's character, um, Barbie, starts working i mean they, her and the blonde who was absolutely gorgeous and i was i was really heartbroken to look her up to try to find out what else she was in she died a little bit after this of like cancer holy um, shit i didn't even know that yeah because I, uh, I was like i'm gonna watch everything this woman's in because she's no i thick and she's hot <laughs> holy I, shit no uh whenever i was looking up uh, doing like notes and getting like the people I clicked on her stuff and instead of like actually looking through her and like her like about her I just uh-huh. went to her filmography and I was like ah oh, I guess she didn't decide not to be an actor <laughs> and no, now she, nope damn she's yeah. dead she died in 2007 yeah wow. so or I don't know if it's 2007 but it was it was it was no 2020 actually recently but um yeah, I know what you mean though, what you were saying, like about yeah. her. Like I I honestly uh when that pool at right actually at the beginning with the pool scene and they were all just like joking around. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I looked at my wife and I was like, they kinda got the same body type and I was like, I dig this and then I went right back to watching the movie. Yeah. And I was just like, I like this and I was like, because that's like I don't know, there's like and I tell my wife all the time, like there's like this mother figure that i just really fucking dig and i was like i absolutely love it it's a woman figure like it's just she's a woman you know she's powerful she knows what she wants but she can she can take it (laughs) but like i I don't know it was a i i saw it and i was just like yeah no that's a i don't know the whole 70s thing is something that i've always been around for i love the 70s like i love all the matching clothes i love like fucking nancy sinatra i love like the orange the yellows these vibrant colors um i don't know i just dig it i take the time so the what do you think about the do you think that uh the nudist colony do you think that was a real nudist colony she likes putting dick in her film um which is fine with me and actually i was i know because you know me i like i like that the uh i like it when films put in shit that make people feel uncomfortable and there's nothing but there was there was almost all those dicks i was like looking at them and i was like all those dicks look normal except for one (laughs) i was like there was one dick that was just real fucking ugly and i could not get over it well just it was bothering me it's i thought it was funny because uh, there's a dick in the love witch too and mm-hmm. i was thinking like she does that because it's such a like and i remember seeing that in the theater and when the dick shows up and everyone just started laughing and like snickering and i thought i wonder if she does that because like so viva like i said anna uh anna biller the, the writer director the, the filmmaker we're talking about obviously she's uh in uh viva as Barbie as we've previously discussed, <laughs> and she's naked in a, a lot, 
And um, I read an interview with her where she said that the reason that she took that role was because um, she didn't feel comfortable asking another woman to do it. And she was like, I, I felt like it was, I had to Dude, do it myself. And I that's, thought, I was thinking that through the film. Yeah. Because I knew that she was the director. And I was literally thinking to myself, I was like, especially because I saw The Love Witch first. So yeah. I kind of had this idea. Already. Which I she's kinda, not I, in at all. And honestly, of all the short films that I, I want to say she's like in all of her stuff. And The Love Witch was the first thing that I think she did that she's not in. Right. Even including her shorts. So yeah. But I would definitely say that I, I agree. And I fucking respect the shit out of that. Because good for her. Like, I, I respect the fuck out of that, man. And uh, I also, I do like the fact that, uh, kind of like what you were saying, like with the showing the, the dicks and they're flaccid, right? So, like, they're they're soft. They're not, it's it's a more feminine view of the, the, uh, the phallus <laughs> area. And I think it's like a interesting concept because you would think that most mid would probably want to be seen enlarged right but like it's a real ego strike to to kind of be able to strip down and be completely comfortable in your own body which got brought up a couple times in the movie especially at the nudist colony however i will also say there was a there's a couple times and you know i could be totally wrong but there was there was another dick in there that looked like he had a chubby going on. <laughs> it it literally, dude. I I'd have to, it was during the the nudist colony, and it's the guy on the left. I'm pretty sure he's next to a chick. And I swear to God, it looks like a fucking like just a stiff little baby mushroom. And I'm just like, <laughs> there's no way he's erect. Cause like, yeah, I get it, right? There's people. Yeah, I get it. I get that everybody's different. But like, there's no fucking way. This this I was like, how's that thing like sticking like that? Like, that's weird. Like, I was like, is he fucking, like, is he, like, just can't help himself? But luckily for him, like, you couldn't tell anyways. But, like, is that, like, is that what I'm looking at? And I i don't think so. Like, I think it was just me maybe being too high. But, like. <laughs> and hyper-focusing on this dude's junk. <laughs> dude, I swear to God, that thing was sticking straight up. Like, he was standing, and it was perpendicular with his body. Maybe so. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Now I even asked my wife. I was like, "Did did you?" And she says that it did look a little, like stiff. It looked a little like it was a little too straight, you know. So I don't know. I don't know about you, but my flaccid wiener doesn't stick straight up. <laughs> I'm a I'm a grower, not a shower. I would have been terribly embarrassed if you caught me on camera. I <laughs> so <laughs> I actually I had a uh, I had like a little minor surgery done in like my leg and pelvis region and they had to go through my groin region so i had like 10 doctors just looking at my junk and and actually i had them like you know uh i had one i had a male doctor i basically had them it doesn't even matter the sex but they they were holding it to the side while they were like taking a needle and stuff going through like one of my veins and uh it was super funny because I was like just being super funny about it. And I was like, so what do you think that, yeah, I was being that dick, right. That they already know what's going to happen. <laughs> like you're going to take me to lunch first kind of deal. Yeah. But I was over here like, so what are we all doing after this? Like I was like <laughs> making these jokes and yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, 
the first little bit that got me where I was like, okay, this is where this is, this is happening. I got to take like my pants off. And the nurse that first assisted me, cause I had no idea like what I was getting in, myself into. I've never had a situation like this happen. And uh, she first looks at me she goes, are you comfortable? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, she, and then she's making sure that like the medicine that they gave me earlier to take was like working. And I was like, I don't know if it's working. She's like, do you want more of it? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> Cause like, you know, they're getting me high. I'm like, I, I could be very much down <laughs> for that. And she's just like, you'll know if it's not working. And I was like, okay. And I'm assuming the fact that I did not give a fuck about anything. And I was pretty loose. Like I wasn't stiff. Like I was like, I was relaxed. Right. And uh, she was like, okay, so like, this is a good temperature for you. And I was like, yeah, the room's fine. Why? And she's like, okay, cause you're going to have to drop your pants. and I got to shave you. And this chick's my age, by the way. And small fucking world. She's from Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> we went to rival schools and then she stayed there and I moved here as a kid. And then she moved down like a few years, uh, like to attend college down here, which is crazy. Right. And I have this chick and she's literally holding my balls and just shaving me. And I told her, I was like, I, I would have done this. Like I so, I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry you have to do this. And she's like, Oh, she's like, even if you were completely shaved, cause you know, I, I kind of forget that I'm in a hospital setting. She's like, I, st I would still have to do it because we still have to make sure that like, you know, you're clean and like we can operate. And I was like, Oh, but it didn't matter anyways. Cause where it was, it was kind of like in the growing air, like in the split. So like nothing, nothing crazy. No, no crazy hair going on there. But uh, yeah, that was the time where I had the ego death of my, of my junk. So <laughs> not that I had that, it, not that I had like, I cared anyways. Cause like, I'm a dude. I have tons of dude friends. I, I, I can't tell you how many dicks I've punched, how many dicks I've seen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't like it's a dick. I don't care. Do I have friends with awesome packages? Of course. Do I have friends with mediocre packages? Of course. That's just the way life goes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but I also I also just think that uh I don't know. I think having a person in your life that makes you feel confident is the most key, which I could say my wife makes me feel good about myself. So awesome. that's all that matters, <laughs> which I'm uh, sure your wife does too. No, she tells me I have a statistically average penis every chance she gets. I tell my wife that. <laughs> or I, I tell her like less than that. And then usually it comes back like with like a, an angry face or something. But I know. I know that it's probably just an average dick. I'm just, we're just both white and she has probably just not seen a bigger dick. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I show her, I show her big ones on the TV all the time. Like, look at that thing. It's a hammer. <laughs> and then she just looks at me, you know, <laughs> that's what I like to do. Why I like to it, go why, around why, and do why, that. Why do they stick out so much? Why does it hang down like that? She yeah. goes, I didn't know that penises hang below the, below the balls. I was like, well, the big ones do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that I actually saw that in Dave, that FXX show, whenever he like, or it was a music video, I'm sorry, from from that guy. Um, he had like a music video and he like switched bodies with like another rapper. And uh, he was like, 
dude, why, why, why is my dick just laying on my balls like a pillow? <laughs> and I like laugh so hard because it's like, you know, going through your day and day basis, shit changes. Some days it'll be over. Some days it'll be under. Some days, you know, just be there. I don't know. That Dave show was really good. My wife. It is show. Me. It I is had, a good show. I don't think I've seen all of it, but I know she was watching it for a while and I would sit there and watch episodes with her, and it was pretty fucking funny. The The reason I brought going back to uh, Anna Biller movies, um, but no, I, I think it not not that we got too far off topic, because I think the reason that she did uh, do the full frontal male nudity, which, as we all know, is not necessarily commonplace in American film, is because it does elicit that reaction from the audience. It does make a snicker, right? It, it it's going to cause somebody to make a joke. Someone's going to lean over and say something to the person next to him. Like it's an inevitability, you know what I mean? And um, <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of a, I don't want to say feminist power trip, but it's like, you know, I mean, you're, if, if you're talking about nudity and women are kind of seen as when they do nudity in a film, is there a loss of power, right? If, if I allow myself to be photographed nude is does that make me more vulnerable or does that make me stronger? I'm just right? going to say from my personal experience, it makes me more vulnerable <laughs> and it makes them way more stronger as the viewer. Yes. Like what's the power <laughs> dynamic of that? What's the power dynamic of nudity and for film? me, for me personally. Right. But that's and because I, like I'm a slave to that. And maybe that's the reason why men are not photographed nude as much as females are is because there maybe there is an inherent there there's the potential for a loss of power or a perceived loss of power men are afraid of being seen naked because if you see how big our dicks are then you know exactly how big of our how big our dicks are and that's not something <laughs> that we can lie about or try to navigate around like we're we're being exposed for for 100% what we really are, right? Whereas women, you know, that's the, the allure of the tease of, of being almost nude, but not quite. You can't see the nipples. You know what I mean? Or, or, or photographed in lingerie is that, you know, is, is, the, is the tease more powerful than the, the full frontal nudity? I don't know. I, once again, I'm not really qualified to fucking explain all of this or define any of it. Most definitely can't, you know, I'm not a definition person. But I think that it's it's interesting to consider, and it's something that is inherent in most of her work is the uh, is sexuality, and um, you know I I don't want to say she makes horny movies, but they're definitely sexually charged, and that I think is exciting and interesting. And if you're somebody that likes horny art that likes movies about fucking you know these movies are about fucking and i think that people there's people out there that and i consider myself one of them that definitely find this type of uh storytelling and this type of media entertaining inherently and that I think is, you know, if you're somebody that likes sexually charged material, not and very much not pornographic, like as much as this lampoons, you know, like the Russ Meyer movies and stuff, it never really 
it always maintains a level of high art as well. So it, it I, I was never, gonna say it was highbrow. It was yeah, like highbrow with it. It never feels it never feels even remotely pornographic. Even though in the Love Witch, there's more animated tits in the Love Witch than fucking heavy metal. Okay. And like I could say that yeah. with the utmost authority. There are so yeah. many goddamn cartoon movies in that fucking movie. Um but it's it's in the background. It's it's part of the aesthetic of uh her apartment. You know what I mean? Um there's <laughs> it's like uh I'm going through my notes uh about how she's like a goth Barbarella. And then uh <laughs> what's another good one I oh, have? I oh tampon magic is awesome, but it makes Tam- me trust women even less. <laughs> oh no, that was I watching the Love Witch and she goes, Tampons aren't gross. As she's stuffing a used tampon and a, a jar like, of piss, like yeah. oh my god, like that's some fucking crazy magic shit. Um, hey, that's all. Is that not what all us little Midwestern boys wanted? Was just a witch to take us home. Was a busty goth girlfriend, a fucking a busty goth girlfriend. Yeah. Um, How about the uh, the I have right here in my notes. I never want to see a man eat sugar like that again. I have never fucking seen that in my life. That like Trump looking motherfucker. Dude, that guy, Reeves, was his name. He looked like Jaws from James Bond mixed with a younger Trump. And he's over here, like, sucking oh. his his fingers clean. He was the first, I think, rape. The, the, the first person who raped her. The guy, the photo- the photographer's neighbor. Yeah. The, 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 the queer photographer, oh my god, who's just like the, the, the epitome of a, a 70s gay man caricature from a movie. Like, it's just so... But it's spot on. That's the way. That's the way the shit was actually portrayed. I mean, it's not. She she ain't telling no lies. No, she's doing um, her homework. She's she's definitely getting it. Yeah. No. That that guy was that that stuff was like it was creepy and repulsive, and it was supposed to be. I mean, that was the whole point. But like, yeah, she. There's a lot of really good casting. Like the blonde. Like you had mentioned when you posted about this film on Instagram that the the British actress, the British friend from the Love Witch, uh, commented on your Instagram post or something. Um, you know, she is just so perfectly cast. You know, like I said, Anna does all the makeup and uh, and wardrobe stuff. But she has a really good knack for casting the right people. And the people that are, or maybe it's directing them, or maybe these people are already hyper-tuned into what the joke is, so they know how to do it. But the performances she gets out of these people, the way that they look, the aesthetic, I mean, it's all so fucking spot on sometimes it's amazing that like what you're watching is like this perfectly choreographed ballet which makes sense because she's a dancer and there's fucking ballet numbers in it too sometimes but like as a metaphor this perfectly choreographed ballet where like everything just lines up um you know in, in film school we learned about the concept of mise-en-scene which is like the uh when you mix together lighting and acting and set design and all of these elements of filmmaking when they all kind of perfectly coalesce into something. Um, that's like the mise and son is like everything that's on the screen. And that is something that I think she's very fluent in. And it should be said too, that she's a very educated filmmaker. Um, she went through the studio process. She went through the film schools. She has an MFA masters of fine arts. And this yeah, is, I, d- I did see that dude. Yeah. I was like, Holy shit. Well, that's that. This is where it pays off. Like you can yeah. do the Kevin Smith thing, and just kind of quit and work in a fucking video store and then write this shit. Like there's there's different paths 
you know, to, to, to being a, a filmmaker, but she definitely went, you know, the, the educated school route yeah, and it shows. And that's why she oh, can do sure. these big lavish productions, you know? I felt like the lighting in both movies, uh, probably from her education background, uh, like it just felt so natural. Like it didn't feel like it was over, you know, like a lot of movies, especially like more independent or like on the cheaper scale. It's like, it just feels like there's fucking lamps on everybody. <laughs> like I always, I just always felt like this, this movie, like especially love, Witch. love, Witch felt very natural, which a lot of it does take place outside, but like, but there wasn't any overbearing light and the light that was, uh, if it did ever get maybe like a little too bright, that was because the awesome fucking color that was in the movie. So like, it was never, it just wasn't overbearing. It never had the soap opera effect, which I guess using 35 millimeter won't give you that, but Mm -hmm. like, it was just a really pretty film. Not so much either one of these movies, but I definitely noticed it with some of her short films and maybe, maybe a couple of these two were, you can tell that it's shot on a soundstage or something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that was also supposed to be like the, uh, that was supposed to be the charm, right? That was supposed to be that right. 70s feel. Um, both films actually take place in the 70s. Or does Love Witch take place in the 60s? Love Witch is uh, kind of timeless, I think. Okay, and I gotcha. I, and I, I want to say that, that, like, there's no cell phones or anything in it, but they don't necessarily try to hide modern cars um you know it it doesn't necessarily say that it's the 70s viva is is more clearly a period piece than the love witches love which is like like i said just feels like a little timeless and i i think that was because they knew that they couldn't control the environment well enough to make sure that their modern things wouldn't creep in a little bit right um, because that's the thing when you're doing something that's supposed to be set in the seventies, you can't have a dude in an Escalade drive by in the background, right? Like <laughs> right. It, that's it. The fucking yeah, cats out of the bag. You know yep. what I mean? So it's like, which I, which I looked for on the, uh, any time that it was like an more aerial shot or anything when, like that. I actually did look when she's in the, when she meets the uh, college professor, the grizzly Adams looking motherfucker. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. She's got her lunch and she leaves, you know, and she's eating her lunch in the park. You can see in the background that it's modern. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was like the only any that was, I think, the only spot I I saw. I did like the little piece, though, um, whenever she was in. I can't remember whose room it was, but it's an hour and five minutes into the film because I even wrote it down. But a Frank Zappa album and like Mothers of Invention. freak out was on a vinyl on the stand behind him i thought that was really cool i I like zappa a lot so i fucking saw i like yelled it out i was like leonardo (laughs) dicaprio and fucking uh uh once upon a time in hollywood like the and like snapping i was like that's zappa (laughs) (laughs) the you brought it up earlier the running time which of course i'm not that i'm ending on a negative note but i really don't have much to say after this so i probably should have brought this up earlier um Films are kind of long, and I'm I you know I'm definitely one of those people that thinks everything should be ninety minutes, <clears throat> um, and I don't I, I didn't mind seeing when I saw Love Witch in the theater, I did not mind the running time, 
there was a moment like during the run fair where I think I was like, how fucking long is this movie? Like, what are they doing now? And then they're, they're getting married and they're on horses and shit. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, I kind of, I, I realized that I had been sitting there for a while and, uh, Viva was definitely the same thing. Um, but I was watching it at home. So there's more distractions and stuff. Um, you know, she also, besides being an actress, uh, sometimes actress, writer, director, costume mistress, makeup person, she's also her own editor, too. And I think that, you know, knowing that, when I saw Love Witch, I didn't realize that, and I had no idea her larger scope of work. Having seen Viva for the first time and then rewatching Love Witch, I was aware of things that could have easily been cut from the film that could have tightened up the running time. And then when I thought back to Viva, it seems to me like, I don't know if, if she puts so much work into these things that she can't handle the thought of cutting them down. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't like to leave stuff right out of well, the film. I don't know if when she thinks about these movies, and these stories, there is a deliberate sense of pacing and the idea that, like, no, this is going to be a two-hour thing. And we're going to do this, and there's going to be a subplot where we go over here, and this character is going to come in, and this scene. And, I mean, even when you want to talk about stuff that can be cut from Viva, they almost deliberately sometimes let takes go on too long. Or longer than you would normally think it would. Right. Because it adds to the aesthetic of it. It adds to, like, the, the, the vibe they're going for. And I get that. But the thing is, if you do that, like, in every fucking scene, then you wind up with a really long movie. <laughs> that yeah. at least 10 percentage of is awkward pauses. You know what I mean? And it's, that, that shit, start, those seconds start to add up into minutes. And it, and, and it really pads the running time when you're like, man, if you just, you could take out 10 minutes of that movie, 15 minutes of that movie with the love, which like, and I'm, it's great. And I'm, who the fuck am I to tell someone else how to cut their film? That's fine. But I get to talk about what I like. This is what, this is why it's, you know, our fucking podcast. Um, <laughs> I just feel like, eh, you could take a 10, 15 minutes out of both movies. I don't know. That's just that my two cents. I'm, I'm, that's definitely not a, a harsh criticism. And I, 100% recommend watching both these films if you haven't already. But yeah, they feel a little long. I think The Love Witch, I, I could deal with the two hours. Like, it was fine. Uh, I didn't feel... I, yeah, I think that there was could have been some things that were cut out. But again, I think because I never watched our first film, I didn't exactly, you know, know it. This time around, I watched it actually second. So I went back, watched Viva, and then watched this. And uh, Viva was like... I honestly felt like if it was 90 minutes, it would have been better. Yeah. Not even, not even at the, like, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like 120 was, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe it was also cause I was high, but like, <laughs> I felt like there, I, it felt longer to me than two hours for a little, mm. for towards the end, which really sucked because it, I, this movie was good and it didn't, it wasn't like dragging. It was just, there was a lot of shit always going on. Um, or Barbie was just getting into new shit. Like every 
like 10 minutes. So right. like every 10 minutes was like a different story, which was cool. So it kept me amused and it did keep me there, but I was like, okay, so is this like almost over? <laughs> like, like the, I think towards the end, I, I actually checked to see how much longer I had on it. Um, which don't take that like, you know, too bad because I also did that to the killer, which I watched the other night. So, and that was a two hour movie as well. So maybe two hours is just kind of like the going rate right now for films that are, you know, uh, critically acceptable or like really well, like viewed. Um, I think if you can give me a two, uh, like an A plus two hour movie, I, I'm not going to lie. That's probably going to be better for me than just an A 90 minute movie. Um, sometimes I crave more, like I want more. Uh, and sometimes an hour and a half really isn't long enough. However, I feel like with, uh, Viva, I felt like 90 minutes could have done it, but the love, Witch, anywhere between the 90 and 120 mark, I think I'd have been okay, which I was okay. Also with the love, Witch, uh, Jennifer Ingram is the actress that liked my post and it was Barbara. So I misspoke on that. It was not Lily Holman. It was uh, Jennifer Ingram. I had to go. I had to go back and look. <laughs> I like logged into my old account. I I thought I deleted it, but I guess I didn't. Um, but yeah, she liked it, followed me, and uh, she did like put it up on her story and stuff. So that was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, she I, she was super nice. I wonder if talking about what you're saying about like movie length and stuff, you know. And I kind of I covered my bases by by saying this earlier. When I saw Love Witch in the theater, I I was the the running time did not nearly affect me. Like there there was like I said during the Renaissance thing, just because it was such a weird di- like diversion, um, where I was like, what is going on with this fucking movie? Um, I think that watching movies at home. It's a, it's, it is harder to focus. I think there's something to be said about being in the theater and having your phone off and sitting there and being in the darkened room where nothing else is bothering you. The dog isn't fucking trying to go out. Your kid isn't walking past you asking you fucking where his homework's at, whatever. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you're, you're just, you're just in the movie theater. You're watching the movie and that's it. And, um, when nothing else ha- matters it's yeah when place. when you're in those there's something i mean obviously there, there's something to be said about the theatrical experience and i think that when you're in the theater you're more willing to let movies like this that maybe could be trimmed down a little bit or maybe aren't super fast moving or maybe kind of meander this way or that you're it's a you're a little bit more forgiving mm-hmm. but when you're at home and you got your cell phone and people are texting you and you're fucking, you know, doing whatever. I think that that's when the cracks and and some of these and, and stuff like this starts to show a little bit more. And maybe it's a little unfair. You know, that's, that's, I guess that's what I'll say. Walking back my criticism, just a scotch, you know, I'll always go for the theatrical release if I can. Right. I, and I, I will, the experience, I hope that experience really doesn't die. Cause I feel like I do, I am scared that, we're going to go towards that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people thought that that was going to happen with COVID. And I'm happy that we had like these big ass directors basically say no to the streaming and like kept their movies in theaters. 
because I do think the movies is still a magical place. I think that you still get your, you know, your first date there. I think that you can, it's timeless there. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's something special. It's romantic. It could be scary. It could be warm. It could, I don't know. It's it's everything. Daniel, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. That's right. Heartbreak (laughs) does feel good in a place like this. Thank you, Nicole Kidman. That's who said it, right, Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Okay, well, good. I'm sure somebody it wrote it for her. But. Well, well, yeah, but I'm just saying. Yeah, but that that is that is how I really feel about the theater. Um, I've always been a movie goer, and I will say, like being a parent now, it is a little harder to go. And I also kind of moved a little bit further away from the city where uh, the movie theater is. So, like, I I get it. But um, and also, I'm not gonna lie. It is kind of nice watching an, a movie release in the comfort of your own couch, right? Um, for some stuff, 100%. Yeah, for some stuff. right. For some stuff. Not like I, there's some big names that I would never, like if I actually were, was able to go to the theater, I don't think I would ever choose the couch over the theater. Um, kind of like, like uh, Oppenheimer or something like that, which I was a little nervous going in, but I trusted Christopher Nolan and he delivered for sure. But like, I was a little scared to go watch a three hour movie. You know, especially in IMAX too. Like, it's a different. Like, I I don't know. I I, I didn't know what to expect. Or uh, this new Scorsese film, right? Like, it's uh the Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh-huh. Um, that's like a three and a half hour movie. So like, damn. Yeah, I'm gonna now play I, the da- I'm gonna play the dad card on that one and say I'll have to catch it when it hits streaming because see uh, that's I, I also do. how I feel. That's I do kind of feel that way. Like three and a half hours, man. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot out of out of a working man's day. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Don't you like, people have you're all because you know why? Because they're all fucking retirees. I mean, it's Scorsese. Like <laughs> it, it is true. Yeah. Uh, I heard the movie was really good though, so that's good. Sure. You know what? I maybe I'll use this as a way to uh, indirectly tease my next episode for Y2K. But um, during the during the pandemic, it was interesting. Like the random few movies they would because the theaters never really completely shut down. Like they just oh stopped. ours did, ours didn't. But but there oh. wasn't a whole lot being like shown. Like there wasn't right stuff wasn't getting released in the theaters. But I would go um, every time something good came out or something that I even was remotely interested in that got released. I would I would go and I would take my kid because number one, it helped us feel normal, right. Number two, right. I wanted to support movies, even if it was AMC or whatever. Who gives a shit? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, but number three, they were completely empty. So it was like, well, are you gonna, I mean, dude, it's not like you're going to see something on opening night where it's where there's not a, every seat's packed. It's like me right. and two other fucking people in the theater. It's completely empty. Right. It's perfectly fine to go. Um, and I remember one movie that we saw in the in in the the throes the deep deep throes of the uh pandemic was new mutants with uh which was my introduction to anna joy taylor and uh was the official last fox uh x-men verse movie before uh you know before that died yeah and um was incredibly horny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and did you have you seen that yet no we'll have to i think that'll be that'll be the next episode that i'll do and it's it's okay. it's, 
it was from a couple years ago, so it's definitely Y2K, but it's not like super recent and it's not super old either. So, well, cool. I mean, it's you know, it's a there's a couple movies that we should, I like, there had to be a list of movies that everybody went through while they were at home, right? You know what I mean? Like, we had to have there had to have a be a pandemic playlist. <laughs> somewhere out there of just like movies to watch during the pandemic i mean we no we didn't meet till 2021 so it was after uh now what going back to the movie theater shut down for us it was only for like two months or maybe three because towards the end of the year i'm pretty sure i went to go see uh, a couple movies like in november and december because i'm actually pretty sure i saw a movie on my birthday maybe not maybe not no i didn't never mind but i did go see some that year so i don't know i really don't um there's a couple i'm really excited about godzilla yeah i'll go yeah that movie looks fucking awesome it really does like i like to be honest with you dude from the trailer alone and i typically don't give trailers anything but the way godzilla looks the way that I feel like this is going to be, it is going to be something so different than what we've ever seen in the Godzilla universe before. Like, I just how is he going to read a book? Like, what? Is, how no. Is... So, so this is like post World War Two again, but yeah. it's like, uh, so minus zero. It it it's like the I think that's like the day that the nuke went off. Minus one, uh he like came like the day of or something and like just fucking start wrecking shit up. I know it sounds like weird that I said, like, you know, we've never seen this, but I, I really feel like we're going to be seeing some really different shit. I think after what we saw with Shin Godzilla, because that was very original for a Godzilla movie. I think that we are going to see something transcendent like that, uh, for this. And I think it's going to start Soho or Toho. Sorry. Toho. Sorry, I was thinking about last night in Soho for some reason. Uh, I'm sure everybody... Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that uh, this could be Toho's, like, comeback with Godzilla. We got Legendary Godzilla, which is getting very big. Apple is about to be releasing... Yeah, I'm excited for that. I am too. Some TV shows. Yeah, Monarch Um, next week. Yep, it's super exciting. You know, Apple's also releasing uh, a military... Uh, series like mini series. I think it's called Masters of the Air. It's from the same people that made Band of Brothers in the Pacific. So if you guys are into that shit, I'm sure it's going to be solid. It has the dude that played Elvis, that guy. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, he's the main character. So, uh, do you ever watch any of that Band of Brothers or the Pacific? I never did. And dude, I you know... should check it out. It's on I HBO. Know. I Give know. It a Band shot. of Brothers, everyone talks about, and they're always referencing. Oh, this guy is from. Band of Brothers and that catch from I just oh never... it's it's literally Saving Private Ryan but in a TV series so like yeah. you know how like Saving Private Ryan had every fucking buddy in it yeah it's the same thing with with this it's just it I will say they're not necessarily a listers though it's more of like your TV guys your big TV guys you got Donnie Wahlberg you got uh, <laughs> you got fucking I think Scott Grimes uh. You got a couple guys in there, but like, it's not like you're you watching know, fucking Saving Private Ryan. It's Tom Hanks, uh, 
you know, Vin Diesel, like all these guys. But what's up? Honestly, I think I it just dropped when I would probably like that's why like Sopranos, like I missed a lot of that because you know the I saw the first season or two when I was living at home, but then by the time I was twenty years old, I moved out. And then did not have cable or HBO for like reliably for a couple of years, right? Right. So it's like there's there's big gaps in uh in my TV knowledge. So like yeah, I know like the Band of Brothers is something that I think just kind of got caught up in that, you know. Right. Like I didn't I didn't watch it when it was on because I didn't have access to it, and now to go back and watch it, like I know I should and I probably will eventually, but. They're pretty good, man. I will say yeah. that. If you like, I also like history and like the war stuff. So like, I don't like war, but I mean, like, if it's going to happen, yeah, then it's going to be interesting. You're right. I'm just, you know, I really don't. I wish that you know we could be like you know world peace and shit, but that'll never happen. Because I like the idea of just like, you know, sex and drugs, rock and roll, right? <laughs> like, let's just do that all the time. Like, we don't have to necessarily like mosh pitting is one thing. It's not really violent. It's just physical. It's like football, <laughs> but right. like, but like, you know, we don't need all this shit that's going on, but, uh, yeah, you should try check that out. It's not bad. It's not bad. Just like these two movies, they will definitely put a spell on you. <laughs> <laughs>